Thunder Buddies podcast with Pete Thunderlines and DJ Bobby Big. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Thunder Buddies podcast. Today, slightly later than planned, we've got a special pod where three members of Bootcamp UK were interviewed by me uh, and we unpicked some of the mental health challenges that they have faced through their lives. If you listen to this and you don't know much about me, DJ Bobby B, you'll be thinking, what's a DJ doing interviewing people? Isn't that a bit dangerous talking about mental health in isolation? So I thought I'd give you a bit of background about me and some of my credentials on this subject. Firstly, for nearly 10 years, nearly a decade, I've been in social work, in adult services, qualified social worker, and I've managed social work teams. And that's included extensive work with individuals with mental disorders. In addition, I have personal experience. I have a diagnosis of a bipolar affective disorder, type 2, and it's actually that condition has partly had a hand in why this is a bit late. I'm currently adapting to some new medication. Made me a bit drowsy. Story short though, these guys are in safe, knowledgeable hands and hopefully you'll get a sense of that throughout these recordings. You're going to hear three interviews. Uh, one with Jess Smith from Bootcamp UK Waterlooville, one from Neil Thorpe from Bootcamp UK Portsmouth and one from Charlotte Brighton from Bootcamp UK Fairham. Now, a couple of audio niggles in this episode. My dog, Hugo, came to meet Jess. He was a bit noisy throughout. I've edited out the barking, but you'll still hear him making a nuisance of himself. And in Charlotte Brighton's interview, it took place in a coffee shop, so there was some background noise. Now, with this being late, we do actually have another podcast coming out later this week. You're going to get an interview with instructor Liam Plunkett, a bit about his journey into fitness and some details about what drives him and what he does now. What I particularly enjoyed hearing about with Liam was some of the odd jobs he has done and believe me they are odd. Hopefully with all this content you will have plenty to get stuck into when you're running the Great South Run this weekend. Do take us with you in your headphones. Before we get into the interviews though I put out a post asking what keeps people well and the engagement was fantastic. A few snippets from various members. This one from Emily Ricketts, Bootcamp UK Waterlooville. I love the beach. There was something so calming about it. It is a favourite place to go alone or enjoy with my family. So nice to close my eyes, listen to the waves and do a few deep breaths. Straight after that, you had Pete Lyde's posting pictures of his belts. But what he was saying was football, boxing and seeing his boys are his therapy, as well as delivering sessions. Really insightful response from Alan Brown, who had a really good thing about the question and really struggled to put his finger on it and that honesty was really worth reading and this entry from kelly morton nice and simple exercise for me even at my darkest moments this year it's got my head clear and helped me reset there's loads more if you don't follow me on facebook you know, find me at rob biles or search for dj bobby b and have a look at the post and some of the in-depth responses themselves okay let's get into it here come the three interviews from jess from neil and then from Charlotte, in that order. Hope you enjoy. 
And if you're coming down the Great South London this weekend, look out for me. I'll be in my purples and we'll see you along the coast. But yes, we're here to talk about World Mental Health Day. Yeah. Um, have you at any point um, in your lifetime been formally diagnosed with any sort of mental health condition? Yeah, so I've been diagnosed with anxiety, depression and personality disorder. Okay. Can you tell us um, how you felt when you were diagnosed? Um, so I was kind of at like, my lowest point, really. Uh, I was at home and it wasn't that safe. So I felt like I was kind of stuck there and just not being able to see a way out was kind of like pushing me down more and um, without the diagnosis I was constantly being told that I was like crazy or you know like you need to calm down and once I got the diagnosis it was like a reliever like I'm not crazy I there is something that I can pin it to not as an excuse but more as a it's a weight off my shoulder it's not me as such so when was this um this was a couple of years ago I think just before lockdown. Okay, so pre-COVID. Yeah. But in the recent past. Um, for people who don't understand what we mean when we're talking about a personality disorder, would you mind explaining a bit about what having a personality disorder means to you? Yeah, so for me it's like extreme highs but then also extreme lows. So uh, it couldn't change multiple times in a day I could wake up feeling really bad and not want to get out of bed but it can change by having a good breakfast in and I okay. can be really happy and like oh you know I'm glad I've got cocoa shreddies in like, yeah. and that can set me off for a good day or I could be really happy at one point and then think that I want like a lasagna for dinner and then not have the ingredients in so then I'll go to bed feeling a bit low Okay, so it's so it could be simple day to day things that have a a significant effect. Yeah. And I say simple just in terms of, you know, they they are things that everybody would understand. I know they can have a big impact. Yeah. But um, they are things that could happen every day that might have more of an impact for you than they might for other people. Yeah. At what point did you realise um, when you were living at home that you, that you were struggling? And what help did you see? Um, it was when I met Keelan, um, before the whole lockdown restrictions, we were out, we would, I'd see him quite a lot, and we were having a good time, but I just wasn't happy. Like, yeah. it was fun, and I liked being with him, and but there was just something that wasn't right, and I knew that... I kind of needed to get help because he was having a good time and I really liked being with him and going out exploring. I just wanted to be able to give him what he gave to me. Um, so I spoke to the doctor and she suggested like therapy and I went and saw somebody and it helped short term. Uh, but I had to go private in the end because the waiting list was yeah, too that, long. That is often in a way. 
and I've tried uh, like anxiety medication okay. and that also helped in the short term but I think the long term effects of it I didn't want to be on medication forever I didn't want to rely on no. it I wanted to do it myself so it got me out of the dark place and I just I wanted to be able to move on with myself one of the things through this episode that I really want to do is is normalise medication and therapy. I think, you know, it's okay to seek this stuff out. And um, would you mind sharing what medication they put you on and what kind of therapy uh, you, uh, you, you were eventually offered when you went private? Uh, yes, they put me on sertraline and they started on the lowest dose of it. 50 milligrams? Yes, yeah, and they uh, had to increase it at one point because it wasn't really working. And that was okay, it was just, I didn't really feel like I was living, I was just going through the day, like getting through the hour. Okay. So I, I came off that. Um, and then with the therapy, it was... It was a bit weird, to be honest. It was like <laughs> hypnosis. And okay. Yeah, so, but I don't do well with sitting still. I can't, like, I can't sit and think about my past and imagine my inner child. I, that's not for me. So I no. pushed it as much as I could and thought, I'll give it a go, but it wasn't for me. No. No. So you ended that therapy. Um, what kind of support have you had other than medication and therapy and that can include informal support from yeah I've had you. support from Keeler and he'll often sit and listen to me whether he's listening or not he, he looks at me like he's listening and it's it's good to get it off my chest sometimes and we do we'll try and talk to each other about it and uh, his family as well they're good to me as well well, yes, I think everybody who, who knows you a bit has worked out that um, you come to boot camp with his mum. Yes. Um, who, at first, I just thought was a mate of yours. Um, and turns out she's far older than she looks. Um, so, yeah, whatever treatment you're using, Adina, is working. Um, but um, tell us about the sort of support you get from, from her, because you're obviously quite, you know, there, there is some closeness there. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's like emotional support sometimes, like she's seen me cry so many times, yeah. it's, uh, it's it's the running joke, like, oh, Jess has cried again, like, yeah. um, and I'll message her and she'll come and we'll go for a walk and we'll just talk about things, uh, she's like, she's like a friend, really. More than, a, uh, yeah, more than your, than she is your boyfriend's mum. Yeah, yeah. For those who can hear strange noise on the recording, um, Hugo is, is currently um, got his head entirely buried in <laughs> Jess's sofa. You are being way more lively than you normally are. This was a terrible idea. Um, okay, so that's the, the support you get from her. Um, is there any other support that you can think of that you get that is helpful? Uh, I have had support from people at boot camp. I've cried on Pete before because I thought I was dying and I wasn't I just dying pushed, from the exercise yeah yeah I just pushed myself a bit hard and I've had people come and like calm me down because Aideen wasn't there and I, I didn't want to go by myself and I thought I'll do it so I think it was a mixture of that and yeah. pushing too hard and the boot camp has helped a lot yeah because I've seen you come by yourself a number of times yeah um, and but that was clearly a process for you, something you had to work up over time. Yeah. 
How did Pete react when you cried on him? <laughs> um, he kind of, he made sure I was all right first, and then he's like, oh, you're fine, you're fine. Typical man response. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're not all the same. Um, okay, so, are there any coping mechanisms that you do currently um, to help keep yourself well? Yeah, um... I like pushing myself out of my comfort zone a lot. As much as I don't like the thought of doing it, I think once it's done, I feel so much better. And I think, oh, I'm glad I've done that. Um, like Pete's saying, I like being uncomfortable because it gets your heart going and you feel good. I like the feel good afterwards. So you're talking most about exercise here. You're talking about pushing yourself through exercise. Exercise and like new situations as okay. well. Can you give me an example of a new situation you've put yourself in that's given you some benefit? Uh, yeah, starting up my business. Okay, great. Because I have to meet new people and turn up at people's houses and it's like, is this the right house or am I going to wake someone up and okay. I'm in charge of their dog and it's a lot. If I was thinking about doing it, I'd be like, no, I don't want to do it. But I just had the impulse to push myself and think no I'm going to do it it's what I want to do and I just I feel better for it great I mean that must have been such a big hurdle to get over initially and you clearly get a lot of enjoyment out of it I mean you're, you know you're wearing the uniform all the time <laughs> wearing it right it's now. comfortable all right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the key things I want to achieve with this episode is for people to um get some encouragement from those who have had um, some challenges with their mental health. So I wondered if you could tell us if there's any advice that you would give to any others uh, who are starting to feel low or recognise that they are in patterns of harmful behaviour. What would you say to them? Um, I think the most important thing I've done is actually talk to people about it. I, I don't like doing it, but I find I'm better afterwards. Yeah. I think being able to get it off my chest really helps me relax a bit more. I'd, I'd used to bottle it up and I'd feel awful. I think that's why I spiralled in the first place. Just I couldn't talk about it at home. And when I met Keelan, he was more than happy to sit and listen to me talk about it as, mm. as well as his <coughs> mum. Shush. It can sometimes be quite a common mental health cliche that talking makes you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the fact of the matter is that sometimes it's the last thing we really want to do when something uh, feels quite overwhelming or, or when we're feeling down sometimes it can be extremely difficult to talk about things you mentioned you speak to Keelan and Aideen was it easy to learn to speak to them? No no because I was so used to keeping it to myself he kind of taught me how to almost okay. as well as 18 they're a talk about it kind of family and whereas i come from a let's not talk about it we'll just okay. push it to the side and so they kind of encouraged me to but they didn't they don't force me they're like you can talk to us if you want or you don't have yeah. to like they let me know that they're there yeah and that's quite a big change for you clearly but yeah. um but one that has obviously helped improve your well-being because yeah. most people who look at you and meet you for the first time would just see you as a happy normal human being but wouldn't know that no. this is something you've had a really big struggle with 
I'm here with Neil Thorpe uh, from Bootcamp UK Portsmouth. Neil, uh, what do you do with your time when you're not at Bootcamp? So when I'm not at Bootcamp, I work from home. Um, so I'm remote working. I go into the office, which is now based in Reading, once a week. But um, essentially, I work as a digital analyst. You've mentioned this already, but we're here to talk about um, World Mental Health Day. And, uh, and the design of this pod is to try and normalise conversations about mental health within our community and beyond, within the fitness community and the boot community as a whole. I know your answer for this question is um, a little bit more complex, um, but have you at any point been diagnosed uh, with a condition that has an impact on your mental health? And can you tell us what that condition was or is? So, as you say, it is quite complex. So, being brutally honest, I... I am on antidepressants now, and I actually started a program of antidepressants only about three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, and I had been a bit reluctant to to try them just because of the impact that it might have on just my general cognition and how I function during the day. I was really concerned that I might um, lose a bit of energy and it might sort of I don't know, have have a change in my sort of physiology in some way. But I suppose by its very nature, being on antidepressants does link very much to you know, aspects of depression, aspects of low self-esteem. Um, and in some ways, trying to manage a bit of anxiety and stress. But I've never had a sort of formal diagnosis that actually puts a label on what the sort of mental health problems I have are but over the past sort of four years I've kind of worked with a private psychotherapist to really kind of iron out what the underlying problems are that I have and how they manifest themselves and the way in which it has got slightly more complex is the kind of running parallel with the the mental health problems that I do struggle with there is something that's developed very much in the last couple of years which is more around an eating disorder and that has made things very difficult to get some support from within the NHS and beyond to to really help so the eating disorder clinic that I was referred to at one stage kind of said well we can't really treat the issues that you've got because a lot of the behaviours that you're exhibiting are as a result of a mental health problem mm. rather than a straight up eating disorder and it was almost the same but kind of flipped on the other side when I was speaking to the kind of the mental health teams that operate through the, the NHS it's almost like as though they couldn't treat the mental health problem until the eating was under control and the eating disorder was under control so um I did for some time feel a little bit lost in a way in terms of not being able to to know where to turn but um but yeah fortunately I have you know through my GP you know being prescribed the antidepressants I'm hoping to to start some 
cognitive behavioral therapy that's linked around challenging the kind of the the perceptions I have about myself and actually trying to help me to have better have a better relationship towards food and exercise which are the two two things that kind of work together almost yeah, counterbalancing each other and that's sure. the sort of balance that I have to strike a lot of the time mm. and that must be difficult at times yeah absolutely so it's so it's something that again I haven't had sort of formal diagnosis of but it's what I what I exhibit symptoms of through the way that I kind of manage what I eat and then the exercise that goes along with it is linked to a condition that's called orthorexia. Okay. So it's not it's not um, something that's widely known as far as no. I'm aware. Um, so it is classified as an eating disorder and it's where you will have very strict rules about what you eat and when you eat Mm -hmm. and it's also kind of um, manifests itself in having a kind of obsessive approach towards exercise to the point that it is excessive Um, so I think where I've struggled with that is that I've been exercising to excess along this at the same time as being very restrictive and very kind of limiting in terms of my food intake mm. how how did you feel when a label was put on it i think i was quite relieved to be honest and i say that because when you don't have someone recognizing that it's a problem you start to think you start to question whether it is a problem at all yeah and whether you're making too big a deal of it yeah um and almost by being able to to put a label on it and have for example my gp say right you know you do need to go you know he would recommend taking a a program of antidepressants it it almost gave me something to focus on and gave me something to think okay recognize that you you do have a problem and there is a way of treating it there is a way of coming out the other side of it and it's yeah just having that it's not necessarily having the comfort of having a label put on it but it gives you something to to fight against I suppose and think right okay I know what what the issues are that I'm struggling with and this is uh, how I can do it but it still remains a struggle today I mean it's it's quite easy for you know and it was quite easy a few months ago for people to say to me, well, just simply exercise less and eat more. And it sounds very simple on the, on the surface of it, but obviously when you have the, the mental health issues running alongside it, you mm. don't think straight and you don't, you know, and it's, it's not that easy. And I still okay. struggle with it now and it's going to be an ongoing struggle. What role has boot camp? played in in this 
both supportively but also um, in terms of exercise? Um, yeah, it's it's a slightly double-edged sword, mm. I suppose, because it gives you, you know, by having the boot camp sessions there, I think what I was ending up doing was almost using boot camp as supplementing all the other sort of bits of exercise that I was doing. Um, but on the flip side of that, you've got the community there that has been, you know, so massively supportive for me and not only me, but for other people who I know, you know, struggle with all manner of different issues and lots of different um, mental health problems. But I think what I'm trying to do now, more so than ever, is to is to try as much as I can to focus on those sessions as being, you know, the is being the sort of the, the fulcrum of my exercise and trying not to do so much in the intervening times, but it is it is quite difficult to do that. I'm just someone who is naturally quite restless and I almost, you know, feel as though I need to exercise in order to earn the right to eat. In some ways it's almost like a the two are kind of intrinsically linked. I you know, I will kind of feel as though I need to to work off something that I eat yeah. or I might feel like I need to have a workout before I eat to kind of make myself happier about Okay. About enjoying you know, enjoying the food that I do eat. The thing that I really struggled with was, you know, the more the more weight that I lost, um I then stopped being able to exercise. Yeah. So it ended up being, you know, the the worst possible outcome really for me because okay. you know the thing that I loved doing I couldn't do because my body physically couldn't cope with it. Hmm. And over time, my it had an impact on my mental health. That was then the point that you know. You know, that I needed to go into hospital and I needed this support to kind of get yeah. me back on track and um, you know and I think at the point where I went into point where I was admitted to hospital I think I weighed you know, less than eight stone which I think was kind of going down towards you know between 50 and 55 k's I've got photos of me now when I was in hospital and you know it gives me something to look at and think you know I know I can never get back to that sort mm. of stage again and it gives me something to to, to think about on the days where I am struggling to think you know as much as I'm struggling now you know you don't want to go back to that no thank you for sharing that that's a really that point. profound thing to share I don't think I appreciated it at the time and I don't think I appreciated the impact it had on you know, my family particularly mm. but it it was a scary time and it makes you become quite defensive in some ways. You know, you you keep telling yourself that you're okay and you're yeah. fine. Um, so I think, you know, my advice to anyone who's in that same situation is to, as much as you can and as, as difficult as it can be, admit when you're struggling. Yeah. 
and just try and take the advice when you can. I mean, it's amazing now the number of people that I speak to who will say to me now, oh, you look so much better than you did before. And, you know, we could see that you just weren't, you weren't right before. But a lot of people will, will observe it. Some people will say it and some people won't. And I think in the, the way I was at the time, if it was, I'd almost be more inclined to listen to someone that was saying that I didn't, you know, didn't look well if they weren't someone that was close to me. If mm. it was like sort of family or something like that saying, saying it to me, I just would shake it off and just think that, yeah, I was fine, you know, I was still, I'm still healthy, I'm still able to function, but yeah, <laughs> it did get to the point where I couldn't function and it's, you know, trying to notice it's a, it's a tough tailspin to get yourself out of, yeah. I think. Can you tell me, Charlotte, um, have you at any point uh, been diagnosed formally with any mental health condition? And if so, what were you told? What were you labelled? In, in, in 2010, they labelled depression. That was after... So in 2009, we lost um, three grandparents in the space of a year. Um, one of them was quite difficult for everyone to cope with. It was my nan who died of cancer. Um, and I really struggled through most of that year. A lot of people said I just shut off. I didn't really talk as much anymore. I wasn't smiling as much. So I went to the doctor and he labelled depression and put me on antidepressant but a stronger antidepressant I was on antidepressants for years before that but that was for anxiety related to do with IBS okay before that they didn't formally diagnose anything mental health wise that you have IBS anxiety triggers it have some antidepressants to try and manage it yeah and so when you got that new diagnosis, how, how did that make you feel? I don't... I was in such a place where I wasn't really feeling much anyway, that I don't think I really felt anything. I just kind of accepted it and just take the tablets and get on with it. So you mentioned the tablets. Um, was that the only form of treatment you were given at the start? Yeah. Um, and for how long were you only on... Uh, and were you only on medication? I was just on antidepressants for about 16 years. So 16 years with medication as the only therapeutic intervention. Yeah. What impact did that have um, on you by only having pharmaceutical intervention as opposed to anything else? Well, it doesn't... It didn't allow me to actually try and deal with the actual root cause of the problem. So, being on, the me- being on antidepressants, you feel quite numb to everything else. So, I spent 16 years not feeling as much as what most people would feel. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't, I, things like crying just 
really happen. <laughs> I didn't really cry at hardly anything for no. that time. Yeah, crying is a usual human response. Yeah. At what point did you notice that perhaps you weren't responding to situations as you perhaps normally should? Most of the time I didn't really notice that I wasn't responding to things as normal. It wasn't until coming off them that I realised actually this is how I should feel. It was a bit daunting to begin with. Yes. <laughs> Literally crying at everything. But I've got people close to me that are on antidepressants and they've all said the same, that they just felt didn't really feel anything when you're on them. But you don't realise that that's not normal at the time. It's not until yeah. you actually take the medication away and you realise, oh, actually, this is how I should have been feeling. So what led to your decision to come off? I just felt like I was... Well, two things. Firstly, I felt like I'm in such a much better place now than I was for many, many years. I don't need them, and if if at some point I feel like I do need them, then I want to try and find other ways to manage it. I know that antidepressants make you feel so numb to everything, and I want to feel things. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, yeah, to actually cry at things that, all, that people cry at. Does it affect emotions the other way in terms of getting happy about things and yeah, enjoying things? Yeah, definitely. I, do, I didn't used to get so excited by anything, but now I, I do find things more exciting. I want to do more with my life, whereas before I just kind of plodding along, just, yeah. Just, just coasting. Yeah, basically, yeah, that's a good word for it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't mean to put words into your mouth. But, no, no, um, no. <laughs> But I think, yeah, I think people can relate to that. Um, a sense of just carrying on. Yeah. Not really enjoying what life is offering. Just, just, just being existing. Yeah. What made you think, okay, I feel better now. That's why I'm going to come off. What was around you to get you to that point? It's more, I had a confidence that I hadn't had in a long time. Which I think a huge part of that was actually boot camp. Okay. I remember before I went to that very first session, I would never do anything like that normally. I wouldn't go to a group class because it would terrify me. <laughs> but one day I just thought, well, I'll just, what have I got to lose? I'll give it a go. Went to that one session. When I started coming more regularly, I just felt so much more confident, so much more relaxed and had something that I was actually really enjoying. Yeah. Yeah, going to them regularly and not really having any problems going. I didn't feel anxious or made me think, actually, maybe I don't need these tablets. Maybe there's other ways such as exercise, which Mm. obviously is brilliant for your mind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. Um, Did you go along that first time on your own? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so boot camp was a big part of it was there anything else um uh, counselling I guess like, um was it last year not long after lockdown I coped with lockdown fine 
then after lockdown, for some reason, I wasn't coping. Um, I got incredibly low. I was the lowest I've ever been. This was before I started boot camp. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm on antidepressants. I'm feeling like this. They're not clearly doing their job. I need to find something else. Yeah. Um, so I booked six counselling sessions with a local lady who seemed like she was very highly rated and she, she was amazing. Going to those sessions with her made a big difference. Yeah. By the time I'd finished those six sessions I felt like amazing, I felt completely different. The medication didn't solve the issue for you, it does for some people, it works very effectively for some people. For a lot of people they either need it in combination with talking therapies or they need it or they need lifestyle changes yeah. and that's what makes the real difference which seems to be your case yeah is that a fair yeah yeah summary? Uh, cool um, whether it be from the counseling or from anything else uh, you know, have you got any coping mechanisms that you now use to keep yourself well I take a lot of time for myself. Mm -hmm. like, where I'm working self-employed, I can pick and choose my hours. Yeah. Um, so I do always try to make sure I've got at least like one day in the week. It's just for me. Whether that be doing housework, which I don't mind doing, <laughs> yeah. or just sitting and watching a bit of telly, just time for myself and make sure I take that time. That's one of the things the counsellor said to me. Is that, you know, you've got a busy life, working, kids, it's easy to forget to have time for me. Yeah. So I make sure that I always do that, I always take that time myself. The fitness makes a big difference. That's, I remember a little while ago I was having a particularly bad day. I felt really, really anxious, really worked out. Didn't feel right at all, and I could have sacked off boot camp that night and just sat on the sofa and wallowed in self pity. <laughs> but instead, I went to boot camp and it was a boxing one, and I just threw everything into it and left feeling amazing like yeah. all of that that I was feeling before had gone. Yeah. And that, that to me, has become a really, really important coping me mechanism. If I'm struggling, that's that helps. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just have to push yourself out of that funk and yeah. and take a step. And and often I think it's that step taking that's the hardest bit and once you're in it, yeah. You know, whatever you know makes you feel better. Um, it, it starts to do the work for you and exercise is a big part of that. Yeah. Because of the chemicals it releases. What about for people who might be starting to worry in their lives that they might have some issues with their mental health or they think they're struggling. Is there any advice you'd give to them about what they should do next once they've realised they're perhaps not as well as they would like to be? Mostly just don't suffer on your own. Don't be on your own with it. Actually yeah. reach out to people. Talk to friends. Talk to the doctor. Doctors, obviously it's really important to speak to the doctor, but look at things like talking therapies, yeah. counselling, like, yeah, medication might help, 
you need to kind of get to the bottom of why you're feeling like that and realize it's normal it's it's nothing wrong it's not you're not broken or anything you just need a little extra help yeah but yeah absolutely don't ever suffer on your own right seems like such a cliche that you know everybody says when talking about mental health it's yeah. like you know, don't suffer in silence you know make sure you speak to somebody but easier, easier said than done isn't it people yeah. do suffer on their own but the main reason why we're putting this podcast out is to show several stories where that has made a difference where actually speaking up and talking has made uh, a difference to someone's life and um, you know, if you don't talk about it change can't come you know people can't help you you can't help yourself without opening up a bit so hopefully people will take some encouragement from some of these stories and yeah we'll see it might fall flat on its ass <laughs>